You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders within the NHS. I'm Emma Heath and I help connect digital leaders with interim talent in the NHS and I'm your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. Hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast discussing the topic of data and the importance of the NHS being data driven. Um, I just want to start off by saying a massive thank you to everybody for giving up your time this evening to get involved. So we'll start off with some introductions and um, I'll kick things off. I know that you all know me already, um, but I am Emma and I work on the NHS team at Evolution Recruitment. Um, and what we are is a Crown Commercial Service framework supplier who deliver interim digital IT and tech talent into the NHS. Our purpose at Evolution is that we are committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. There are three key parts to that. Firstly, our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals, building trust to make doing business easier. Second to that, what we do is collaborate with NHS organisations, helping them build high performing digital teams. And finally, how we do that is through creating and sharing insights into the ever evolving NHS and digital industry best practice, such as events like this podcast tonight. So that is me. Um, Jude, I'm going to pick on you first because you're first on my screen. So if you would like to introduce yourself. Uh, thanks. Uh, hi, I'm Jude Lewis. I'm a senior technical strategy analyst at Sheffield Teaching Hospitals uh, in the informatics department. Um, it's, it's a strange job title, but I do loads of things. Uh, so strategic development, project management, um, all of these sorts of things require uh, sort of using data um, and especially when you're asking for funding you do kind of have to prove it don't you um, yeah I've not had any formal training in data analysis so basically everything I've learned has been on the hoof um, and I'm really interested in today's conversation I'm hopefully going to learn those. Thank you very much Jude and then Mustafa we'll come around to you next. Yeah so I've got um, my name is Mustafa I've got 14 years experience in healthcare um, and seven years experience in data as a data scientist. Um, I'm a medical doctor um, who then studied a master's in data science and loved it and I've never looked back really. Um, I've worked at all levels um, from sort of population health to specific hospitals, mostly focusing on digital transformation but also analytics as well. Thank you very much. Joe, round to you next. Uh, yep, so my name's Joe Speed. I'm the Data Services Manager at the North of England Commercial Procurement Collaborative, which is a bit of a mouthful, but essentially we're a, a procurement hub in the North of England, helping the NHS buy smarter and better um, by doing collective bargaining. Um, I've been working here for five years, which is like my experience with the NHS, but I've kind of been working with data ever since I started and worked, but all at kind of different levels, but not really until gaining any formal training until Closer, closer to recent times because I'm just now studying for a, a master's in uh, data analysis. Thank you very much Joe and then Ryan last but not least. Uh, yeah thanks Emma. Um, hi everyone my name's Ryan Higgins. I'm a business intelligence operational manager at TZ Eskimo Values Foundation NHS Trust. Um, I've worked here for just under seven years uh, starting as an, as an information analyst. Um, I'm currently doing an MSc in data analytics. Um, in terms of the trust we're a a large mental health and learning disabilities trust. We cover quite a large and, and vast geographical area. Um, in terms of my role, I'm responsible um, responsible for 
all of our routine and contractual reporting, um, ad hoc and freedom of information requests, uh, access to psychological therapies reporting, and, and aiming to do what we can in terms of automation through KPIs, dashboards, reports. Um, but I also work alongside other managers in their portfolios who cover more specific areas around data sets, clinical developments, and, and research within our own section. Fab, thank you very much, everybody. All right, we're going to just move straight into the questions then. Um, so what I will do is I will just pose the question to the group and then we'll just get everybody to give their answer, go round and have a say. Um, so I feel like the first question is quite apt considering kind of the move um, to the new ICS model. So I think I, that's why I kind of picked it first. I think it works best. Um, so first question, what impact will the new ICS model have on harmonising data in the NHS? So, Jude, I'm not going to pick on you first. Um, Mustafa, I'm going to move around to you first on this one, if that's OK. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, very relevant um, as we move towards ICS, but also in terms of what's been needed, I think, for a while. So one of the first projects I ever worked on was looking at type 2 diabetes and the hassle you had to go through to combine a secondary care data set from HES, which is owned by NHS Digital, to CPRD, which is the uh, community data, the GP data, which is owned by um, um, MHRA, um, linking them, you know, it, it's seen as complicated and it shouldn't be. Um, luckily, I studied at UCL where they'd sort of done that for us, but um, ever since then, any project where I've wanted to combine the data has been a hassle. I've also worked with trusts that have been trying to, in preparation for becoming ICSs, combine the data. And I think it's the right direction to go, but we have to be honest that it's going to be very complicated and it's a long journey. We've only just really began going on that journey. Um, combining the data between different uh, hospitals in the same trust is challenging alone, let alone the different systems um, within the trust, let alone between community um, and uh, secondary care, let alone combining social care, which often doesn't even have um, electronic data records. So, you know, this, this is a long journey. We're on the first step, but I think it will provide much value and benefit to patients um, and will really simplify the whole system, hopefully. Thank you very much. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, similar to Mustafa there, really, I think we are kind of, it's definitely the correct direction of travel. Um, about how kind of many, how far we are along the steps as well. I agree. I think I think we are very early on in that journey from from where we are talking about kind of procurement systems and things like that. Almost every trust has got well, not their own, but there's such a wide variety of different systems being used across the across the way. And kind of what 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 the hope is certainly in 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 the sections that we're in is that there will be a a drive through the ICS to essentially start. Uh, harmonising that at least regionally at the, at the regional levels. We might at least start seeing things like Yorkshire and Humber start using kind of the, the, the same systems across the acute trusts in that area and perhaps even out into the um, to the social um, to the uh, mental health and, and social care trusts as well, if, where possible. Um, I guess my the, the concern that with that, as Mustafa was saying as well, is that um, how quickly we can go along that journey is probably not going to be great. It is so difficult to, to get these things to talk and resistance to change, I think, is going to be a big part of that as well. When I'm talking about that, like hoping to get new trusts to agree that, you know, we'll, we'll go for a particular system. 
you know, uh, you could probably speak to this. Sheffield teaching might have its own system, but just because Sheffield really likes it doesn't mean that um, Leeds Teaching Hospitals is going to agree that that's the right one to go for. And there's going to be these competing kind of histories and resistance to change that, that we're going to have to go through. But absolutely, I think it's definitely the right way forward. And the more we can harmonise, the more we can have that kind of complete data, the better it's going to be. I mean, we've had particular initiatives like the spend comparisons uh, system in procurement, which has tried to kind of scrape uh, data from across the NHS and hammer it into its own um, schema, essentially. Um, one of the lessons that I've kind of learned from kind of looking at that is how much ends up falling out of that system. That system's really good, captures a lot of things. It can give some really good insight. But because of the different systems that have been used, because of the different kind of um, ways that data is put input at local trusts and things like that, you get so many lines that have to get marked as um, low confidence and therefore can't be included in the report. And we're just there's so much of that that I think the NHS is missing on and really being able to kind of delve into that, improve that could be so transformative for the organisation. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, Jude, we'll move on to you next. I can see you, you nodding your head a little bit there. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree entirely. It's sort of like it's it's it. We're, you know, we are at the process of beginning to consolidate, and there are going to be so many issues that fall out of that. Um, but you know, sort of the idea of having portals that sort of like you know scoop everything together, but it's all accessed by one place. Um, but that will only work if we've got common standards and common languages used in all of the different systems that we have. Um, there's a, a programme by the ICS at the moment called the Yorks and Humber Care Record, which is looking to um, create a portal that scoops together all of these sort of digitised patient records uh, so that regional hospitals can access uh, sort of patient records from all of the different trusts, depending on who sort of turns up where. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's sort of instead of sort of taking one spreadsheet and merging it with another spreadsheet, it's more a case of sort of understanding sort of like the background of it and how can it all sort of be, be consolidated and then, you know, sort of chopped up and, and all the things, different things happen with it. But yeah, there's they, we are, like, you know, like we both have said, we're on that first step of the journey so it's going to be very interesting to see um yeah sort of how that pans out over the next sort of two years it'll be very interesting thank you jude and then ryan it wasn't intentionally i wasn't intentionally leaving you till last again it that's right it's a theme here isn't it <laughs> yeah i'll pick you first next time <laughs> no worries um well in terms of ourselves with the data as a trust, usually the impact on ourselves is due to covering such a large geographical area. So we have two or three of the main ICSs coming into our patch. So we're based from the north of Durham to the south of York. So the emphasis on certain data elements um, and certain data types and measures can vary across each area. And um, we do see variation in data between those. So obviously different populations have different needs. And as a trust, we do standardise our processes. But some areas can be more prominent in need, depending on the type of place and population. So, for example, some areas may have an older population than another and their needs are going to be very different to another population, but they still fall within our trust and they still fall within the ICSs. Um, so we've got to adapt to that and, and set up around that. Um, we can obviously use data to do that and we can look into things like looking at well, starting with the average age, I've already mentioned, and then looking at different care groups. Are there figures of referrals different for another care group of the same kind in a different area? Um, so you can use the data to drill down into that to show that there is variation between them, I think. Thank you, Ryan. Does anybody have any kind of extra thoughts on that one before we move on? No? Okay, fantastic. 
All right. Just well, one. Oh, go on. If, uh, I suppose yeah. uh, just to add to that is uh, what are people's thoughts on accessibility of the ICS data and, and really making it accessible for, say, anyone in the organization to use it? Um, just one thing I've noticed is um, even if the ICS is forming, people are really struggling to get access to the data at a regional level. And do you think that's going to improve um, as, as ICS is formed? Anyone want to go first? Jude? I, sh I, should, I should hope so. I used to work for um, the SYB ICS. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's sort of, in, in terms of, of how it works, it's very much the same as like a trust, you know, without the sort of technology in place to enable that sharing or to have sort of, you know, communication flows and mechanisms by which it's shared. Um, yeah, I think that, but that's hopefully one of the things that will evolve so that access to the information isn't about, oh, I know this person, so I can just send them an email. It's more a case of like, here you go, here's all the reports. Hi guys, everybody, you know, here's like disseminating it through uh, like organizations, the information services departments in each trust will sort of receive a report or a monthly quarterly report that then gets sort of divvied up in a pre-agreed manner and then shared so that it can be fully utilized. But obviously that's, that's something that I'm sure conversations are happening about already, but yeah, it's interesting. Thanks, Jude. Ryan and, and Joe, have you got any kind of extra thoughts on that? Um, for myself, no, I think it's a really, it's a really good question. And data access is, is always going to be one of those, one of those things for ourselves. I mean, from ourselves working as like a procurement agency, um, trying to get kind of information from trusts can sometimes be quite difficult depending on like the demands from them and things like that and hopefully this can lead to, to kind of a standardization harmonization but also absolutely that that level of accessibility because it's always been it's always been stuck behind kind of gateways or having to speak to the right person to get at things and hopefully it's going to knock down a number of those barriers and make it a lot easier for for everyone in the nhs to start working on that intelligence that should in theory, already have been at our fingertips. Thank you, Joe. Ryan, have you got anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, just briefly. Well, we're a provider, so it's it's our front end to make sure that data quality is is correct and accurate. Um, it's something that we we obviously do as a trust, and as we go through changes, um, within, either within our own organisation or outside influences, we try to make sure that that matches absolutely everything it needs to. So making sure um, and going through the motions and the steps to make sure that everything is accurate and in its right place and how it should be. That's something we're trying to do and in turn that'll create better data for, for those that are on the receiving end of it. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you, um, Mustafa, for that extra question. <laughs> All right, well, we'll move on to question number two then. Um, so that was, do we have a system that allows us to develop a comprehensive data strategy or are we stuck firefighting and solving localised problems in data? So, Joe, I'm going to come around to you first on this one. OK, great. I, mean, I actually think it's quite similarly linked to the previous question we've just been talking about, really. I mean, there's, an, there's a potential maybe that the ICS model might actually push us this way. It might actually help create some kind of comprehensive data strategy and allow, um, yeah, allow the NHS itself to kind of do that. I think many of the problems we were just talking about with the ICS, I think, become a bit of a problem here, which is that, as Mustafa was saying, that in, in his answer to the previous question, there's always going to be local pressures taking you different ways. Kind of in the NHS, we kind of have, what, like 200 plus kind of kings, essentially, over every single trust. And 
while all of them have their own demands and their own wants, it's going to be really difficult to actually push the NHS to have a single vision of what it thinks data should look like. I mean, we've we've had similar, you know, we have got kind of things like NHS X was a good example of something that didn't kind of take off that could have been across the way. But at the same time, we do have things like the NHS Futures and NHS Digital that are there for the whole NHS. I think a, a good example that I would use from from kind of part of my role, I'm involved in cybersecurity for uh, for the, 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 the small IT tenant that, that we look after. And part of the um, availability from NHS Digital of kind of joint joint licensing pricing they can do um workshops and kind of meetings between IT managers to try and kind of get best practice in together and things like that that kind of joined up thinking can come from these kind of central agencies and hopefully ICSs and, and maybe NHS digital itself can start driving the NHS in that way but unfortunately I don't think the local firefighting is ever going to stop because it's always going to it is always going to be there it's a, also a shame because one of the other things i kind of was thinking about on this was a lot of the localized data problems that that firefighting sorted they're probably quite common across all of those trusts as well uh, the, the the problems that are happening down in the london trust are probably very similar to the ones happening the sheffield one be that poor data entry systems not talking to each other so a comprehensive strategy could probably solve more people's problems in one go but i think it's gonna be really really hard to work towards Thank you, Joe. Um, Ryan, we'll come around to you next on this. Uh, yeah, I think although we are driven by outside influences, how we tackle and adapt to that, especially within our own organisation, I think is within our gift. Um, we're, we're led by the things we're being asked to do, so the things that we have to do, so what's coming from the long-term plan, um, things like what was the five-year forward view. So there's things that we have to do, but we can still take that information and turn it into something meaningful. So, for example, if you look at one of those KPIs that is heavily monitored, um, if you try and do a deep dive into that, it gives you all sorts of other rich information. So um, it, it can highlight data quality, it can highlight um, trends within the service. So it, that can still be interesting um, with all the scenarios and, and pathways around that. Um, but I think in terms of doing more of the stuff that is, is nice to do, I think it's important as teams to reserve time for that um, and sort of build build around and, and be ambitious around BI. Because um, in turn, that's going to improve the BI maturity of the team, organisation, individuals as well. So whoever that is, um, we're trying to enable a more data-driven way of decision-making and influence. So um, I think some of it we can't control because there's always the stuff that, that is going to influence us from, from outside areas. But that element of what we like to think we control should be in our gift in terms of how we adapt to that, I think. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, that one. Thank you, Ryan. Um, Mustafa? Yeah, so so the reason I sort of asked this question is is what I've noticed is um, fighting fires often leads to more fires that you need to fight down the line. Um, and, and there was always, yeah, I've, I've just, I've worked in both life sciences and um, NHS and, and and my experience with life sciences, some of the bigger ones, is um, they often have this big strategy and it's it often works well. And you know, I'm sure you guys will know about the federated data strategies that are coming out recently. Um I do find because the BI teams in particular are so busy firefighting, doing, you know, um and so on. It might be better to have a system, for example, where we dedicate 20% of the time to just 
doing proactive strategy building and having 80% time as, as business as usual work. And I've always wondered, you know, what a system like that might turn out because it might actually produce less virus to fight in the future and in the long run might be a self-fulfilling sort of loop. Um, I, I don't know if a system like that would work, but I think I think there is discussions around that end and people are realising, you know, that the informatics teams are firefighting and, and this might not be best for the system as a whole. Thank you. And then Jude, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I think if we, well, a strategic requirement perhaps should be to develop shared principles, standards, education, so that everyone is starting from a nearish the same position. Because I think firefighting does come from there being such a disparity between sort of like like methodology you know so even data quality like your initial data quality all of this sort of thing there are so many components but if you have your standards and agreed principles whether it be locally regionally and then all the way up to nationally um if you have those things and you've got your foundation stones so being able to actually build a cohesive strategy from there um yeah then then you stand a much better chance i think thanks jude has anybody got any kind of um, further thoughts on that before we move on to question three? No, good. OK. Oh, no, Joe, were you going to go? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, so just following on from like Mustafa and G's points that like that, that idea of like the firefighting and stuff like that, I think it's always going to be a nature of when so much of I mean, my experience of kind of doing data and analytic jobs and BI jobs, so much of it is ad hoc requirements of someone's realized they need something next week. Someone needs something for a report they're about to do. And it's often the data teams themselves can have as good a strategy, as well thought through strategy as they have. But the outside requests are, are something that ends up being out of the hands of the uh, the data strategist. So part of it's kind of almost to, to fix the problem almost needs a a, a more rounded approach. And I think that's where Jude, Jude's point about education, having so many people starting from the same space is such a good point because so much of this is that really a lot of the time data people are being asked to pro provide data to non-data people. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, well, we'll move on to um, to question three. So that is, what are the challenges in moving to a more self-service approach to business intelligence in a busy organisation and how can we try and solve them? Um, so I'm going to come round to um, Mustafa first on this one. Yeah, so I am such a big believer in this and I think um, this is, you know, I don't want to exaggerate, but I think this could be the miracle that we're looking for. So the reason I say that is I've worked um, uh, as, as a consultant for a health and life sciences company where we helped implement, uh, supported something like this. And it was the outcomes really spoke for themselves. In particular, I think um, if you think about the old model of how things are working, you need uh, a dashboard or something. Say you're, um, uh, I've literally got a friend called Mo and he's an orthopedic uh, registrar and he, he, he loves data. He really is very much into it and he wants to uh, get a dashboard built for um, some of his work but he only has four month rotations so he'll literally day one go to the informatics team try and get the data try and get things sorted by the end of four months he's got nowhere because the, the informatics team as, as we were saying before is firefighting in the new system of self-serve um mo who doesn't code um but can use excel or drag and drop tools 
uh, can literally get the data himself, maybe even build his own dashboard. No hassle and, and the systems in there within, you know, possibly even a few weeks or a month of him in his new role. Within two months, the processes are in place and you've got a new process in place, improving efficiency. It really helps get um, bypass this capacity bottleneck problem uh, that we have of the informatics team who are like saying we're, we're firefighting. I, I think it's going to be a challenge getting from the as-is to the 2B of, of self-serve. I think we've got a long way to go. You know, I, I, I imagine the average nurse who works in the NHS doesn't see her role as doing anything with data, um, at least not on, on a technical level, you know, beyond maybe using Excel. So we, we do have a long way to go and I think there's a lot of challenges. But I think this might be the golden bullet that we really need um, for the NHS. Maybe I'm wrong, but I hope I'm not exaggerating. But having seen it work in the health and life sciences space, I'm really excited about it. Thanks, Mustafa. Um, Jude, what do what do you think on this one? Uh, well, again, it's 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 back to education, isn't it? If you sort of you know support people in understanding like what it is that they're supposed to do, and you provide them the tools to go and find it out themselves, then uh, suddenly your workload gets a lot shorter, doesn't it? Absolutely. But um, yeah, I, I suppose it, even just the basics, even just the basics of stuff, just as a standard part of trust induction, you know, it's like you collect data on a daily basis. You're writing data about a patient into a, into an electronic system. That data is then used to do something else. It's beyond sort of writing stuff down. I don't know necessarily that a lot of people within the organisation understand what that means. Um, and I think it is absolutely fundamental. Uh, you know, if we're going to be a data driven NHS, uh, then we need to we need everybody to understand what data is. You know, they don't necessarily need to start worrying about intelligence and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, get get the first step down and then you've done yourself a massive favour. Thanks, Jude. Um, Ryan, what do you think? Uh, yeah, quite similar thoughts. I think um, one thing is for certain is that everyone is very busy in the NHS and specifically clinicians. So that time to just step back and analyse their way of working just isn't something that they have capacity for. Um, I do think clinicians are very passionate about their area um, and what is their data without knowing it's their data. Um, and they're good at articulating what things currently feel like. So the sense of when something seems busier than it usually is, is usually correct. Um, but using data to actually try and articulate that is something that they don't often have the capacity for. So trying to make more sense of, of something through those means is something that we're trying to do more of. Um, uh, similar to what others are saying in terms of trying to use that drag and drop functionality of what's already within the existing skill set. Um, we found it's more successful working with them as they're doing a focused piece of work and process improvements events, things like that. So we can have someone from our teams to be able to work alongside them, present the data back to them whilst they've got the time and the space for that. Um, as a team, we're trying to push out more, which we're unable to do now. Um, and one thing that's clear is the support needed around that as well. So we've got to make sure that it's easy to understand, um, it's easy to read and the support available around that as well, should they have any queries or, or any extra further guidance. So. That's where we're currently at now and we're just trying to get a feel for what's useful and how best to deliver it and, and get the message across so then in turn they can make good decisions. Thanks Ryan and then Joe round to you. Oh you're on mute. Sorry um, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I guess I approached this question from two two different ends. The, the first end was kind of the way I think um, uh, everyone else has kind of been talking about about essentially trying to make a, 
a self-service kind of uh, BI for, for staff, which is something I think we've had a bit of success in, in in our kind of albeit quite small organization that we've been able to use Power BI quite quite heavily to essentially put put together dashboards or or reports that can then be can essentially sliced and filtered the way that the end user needs it. So essentially, rather than every single um, um, member of the, each procurement team coming to say, can I have a dedicated report for my for my, for my procurement category? We can put a, a holistic report together that can then be filtered, modified in very simple ways from drop down menus or even just by clicking on things within the report to kind of help them do that. And that kind of brings me to like the second view I kind of came up from, which is less what 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 the barriers in front of the um, the end user, but actually what are the barriers that almost we put in place when we're creating reports? It's, it's those things of there almost seems to be like three three major problems across the NHS in my mind that kind of had it, which is presentation, um, access and time. Um, presentation being if it's presented in a simple way, if it's presented in a way that can be really easily understood really quickly. So, for instance, a Power BI report that's only got two or three visuals on it that has only a couple of filters that is very clear in what it's telling you when you separate it out. People can self serve from that so quickly, but it's make, but it's building the report to do that and get everything behind in the right way. Secondly, then is also then access, which is making sure those things are at people's fingertips. In our organization, we've made sure that those reports are available within our actual organization's teams so that they're published in a location that everyone, I mean, particularly during the pandemic, that everyone's been using and, and it's essentially things at their fingertips. And that I, becomes significantly harder to do when, you know, it's less of an administrative unit. I mean, we are pretty privileged where we are. We are we're not working directly in a hospital and we're not working directly with 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 patients which makes it a lot easier for our staff to have the time to look at these things that's always going to be so much harder when you're actually talking about wards but it's it's one of the barriers that we need to think about how to break down and then that last one you know as ryan said you know we can all agree everyone in the nhs is always busy and giving people the time is never you know people aren't going to have the time to step back do these things go into great detail so almost using those first two things we were talking about. If we can improve our presentation, if we can improve access, then we're giving people simple and easy to understand data directly in their fingertips, which means it's not much of a time sink anymore. It means people can go to these reports, quickly pick a couple of filters and go, right, now I know exactly what I need to know about that. And I think those are the big, those are the things that we can do to try and break these things down from a from a data analyst and from a from a business intelligence point of view. It's almost us giving people the tools and making those tools so that people can self-serve as quickly and easily as possible. Thank you very much, Joe. I think that was a nice little roundup to that question. <laughs> OK, all right, well, we'll move on to question number four then. So this one's a little bit more kind of a personal one. So um, that was, what has your experience been in regards to learning about data? Should there be more focus on formal training and personal development in this area? So I'm going to I don't know who I'm going to pick on first because you all kind of like introduced yourselves with kind of like the training and um, stuff that you've had. So I'm going to pick on Jude first, I think, because I think this is your question. So I think if you could give us a bit of an insight and like background, that would be good. Yeah, well, I think it's sort of it's pretty much void now because I think the previous three questions have kind of answered it. Really. <laughs> um, but I suppose I find myself in uh, situations quite a lot, particularly with corporate services, uh, where I'm presented with anecdotal problems that need solving. 
but there is no data whatsoever to be had, not a sausage. So essentially I'm coming from a position of sort of no, no formal training, but I'm having to design data sets, I'm having to collect the data, I'm having to analyze the data to create a baseline, identify opportunities, you know, for like improvement, um, you know, sort of to build into strategic planning to effectively deliver projects. There's all of this sort of thing. I suppose my question to sort of translate it is, as data scientists, what do you guys do when presented with a situation where you have uh, like, uh, you know, nothing like zero data? Right? What is your approach to that? Because, you know, I'm not the only person who will have been in this spot. So in terms of what advice you would give to sort of middle managers or, or even senior leaders who find themselves in this place, you know, how would you go about broaching that? Thank you, Jude. Um, Ryan, we'll come around to you first on this. Yeah, I think um... I think that it's a really good question, I think, because it's a, a self-learning and reflection that we all go through at, at times. Um, but I think it, it's always a bonus to know your own data as an individual, um, especially because organisations are complex, data is complex. Um, so trying to understand what goes on and how that translates through the data can be really complex in itself. Um, so I think what, what, you, what I usually do or what we usually do is, is just look at what's important, try to break it down. Um, organizations are large, so trying to look at everything at once isn't isn't always helpful. Um, so you know, focus on a key a key specific area of the organization, hone in on that, break it down, start small, sort of ask a relatively simple question. Um, so for example, we might ask how many initial assessments do we receive each month? Uh, do we receive each month? Um, and then start to build on the data levels from there around what what happens around that process, what happened, what should the data look like, or what should it feel it look like, what you feel it should look like, and what it actually looks like can be very different. Um, so then you've got to be sort of proactive to the questions that might come up around that. Um, in terms of trying to do that as a team, we try to promote knowledge sharing across all of our all of our teams. We've sort of got sub teams within within teams. Um, we have huddles where we where we demo work developed and in turn that creates the knowledge and it generates the questions, um, especially because there's quite some useful insights there as well. Um, so we demo the work that they've produced, but then we also have a different type of huddle where we might present each other's knowledge to each other from something that we've been working on or something that's just in our heads. I think lots of people have lots of knowledge in their heads, so getting that out and getting it to other people I think is definitely something that, that's worth sharing and spreading um, and in turn doing that to someone else as well. Um, I don't think traditional formal training is necessary anymore. I think we've evolved from that now, especially in the in the BI world. Um, we've sort of moved away from that and gone to more maybe self-learning, sort of using online training portals, things like labs. Um, they've been much, much better use. Um, I think we've certainly working on teams. We've moved away from sort of that, what was essentially classroom-based teaching. Um, and then not having to add anything to use it for. So I think it's better to do, the, do it the other way around where you identify a piece of work and then decide what tools and data would best fit around that. Um, I think in, in terms of personal development, uh, if anyone's interested in uh, or they're that way minded, then it should certainly be focused around that, I think. Thank you, Ryan. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a, it's certainly a tricky one about kind of my regards and my experience in learning data it's all been self-taught, like pretty much the entirety kind of coming through. When I when I joined the organization, uh, this organization five and a bit years ago, I there was a there was a technical test I had to pass in order to get on, but that was predominantly based in Excel, and um, you know everything I'd done in Excel up to that point had been self-taught in the jobs I'd done previously. And I think uh, Jude was alluding to the fact that she's not had any formal training. That my technical services director has had 
no formal training. He's currently doing an apprenticeship to do a, a master's degree himself. The other, the program manager where I work has, does not have a formal qualification kind of sitting there as well. I think it almost seems to be that, that that's kind of where I think I expect a lot of the digital teams in the NHS are. I think we are kind of a lot of self-starters, a lot of self-teachers and I think a lot of us do a lot of things right, which means that, the, that there's got to be something to be said for this kind of <laughs> self-learning section. But at the same time, uh, ju just from this, I, I myself am doing a data uh, um, analysis uh, master's degree. Ryan, I think you were saying that you're, you're doing one as well. From that, I can see there's a lot that I can learn from that as well. And it, it, it's almost that thing of kind of going, yeah, I, I, whether there should be a focus on formal training for everybody, not necessarily. I mean, I think we, as, as data people, we all probably agree. If every single person in the NHS went on a how to understand data kind of um, uh, starter course would make everyone's life a lot easier. But I don't think there's the, you know, there's not the time, there's not the resource, there's not the ability to really do that. And I don't think there'd be that much engagement from frontline staff to go on a, uh, a data heavy spreadsheet <laughs> spreadsheet course <laughs> for a week. But at the same time, that that, that you know, something going back to something that like Jude was speaking about much earlier in the, in the podcast about the fact that everyone does have data everyone's working with data even if they don't know it taking down these numbers and things like that maybe trying to kind of having a push not necessarily formally but certainly in personal development for for almost every role to kind of have an understanding of what part they have to play in the data story in the NHS would be would be something that'd be really useful and yeah absolutely definitely kind of on, on Ryan's point if people are interested in formal training I think people should be encouraged in that you know quite you know heavily if people have an interest in it we should really be kind of investing in that and I'm lucky that I work for an, uh, for a section of the NHS that, that that's valuing that and is investing in me in that and trying 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 to improve those skills and certainly in my staff that's that's what I try and push for and try and make sure they they get it but I, I don't think it necessarily should be a thing that we kind of go well everyone who's a data analyst in the NHS must have a degree and must do that because I think a lot of us have proved we can do the job pretty well without necessarily doing that and I think that just speaks to you know the the kind of mindset that that often is gravitated towards these kind of roles and particularly for the NHS. Thank you Joe. Um, Mustafa what do you think? Yeah, no, interesting. I think it almost, in my head, kind of relates back to the self-serve question to some degree, because I think, you know, there's going to be people with different degrees of experience. And I think you're going to have a continuum of data capability. I think naturally, though, as technology becomes more prominent in our lives, we're going to get more and more people who are data capable anyway. And I think data is just going to be more and more important. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in the same way that kids in high school have to learn maths, English and science, they also have to learn and one foreign language. They have to learn one programming language as well. Um, in terms of formal versus informal training, um, it's a really interesting mixed bag. So I remember the first time I ever told my med school director that I could code and she was really shocked. And I think it's this really interesting thing where people for some odd reason, because you're a doctor, you shouldn't be able to code. You know, I think that was this, this was seven years ago, but I think that was the attitude back then. Luckily, it's, it's changed a lot since then. I recommended to my brother to also do an MSc in data science. He finished it and he was like, well, I could have just done a boot camp. Why did I need to do an MSc? So, you know, it's a, it's a mixed picture. I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest. Um, I think you can easily, you know, some of the best people I know in data 
don't have a degree in any technology let alone you know some of them don't even have a degree you know my director um, of data at my first consulting company had no degree he'd worked his way up as a database administrator and through the ranks and he was one of the best I'd ever seen both in terms of communication and and practical skills one of the best people I worked at my previous company had a degree in history so yeah I mean clearly the evidence shows that you don't need a data degree to be great does that mean that it might expedite um, your experience, particularly if you want to work in data infrastructure, cloud infrastructure, the back end, you know, the back end that might support people who are doing the front end, you know, non-code, low-code dashboard development, then yeah, I think it might be helpful, though I thought it was helpful to have an MSc. My brother clearly thought the opposite. He, he, he didn't think he needed to do the full MSc, so I guess it's a matter of preference, maybe. <laughs> Thank you, Mustafa. Um, Jude, we'll come back around to you. Like, does that kind of like answer your question? Like, what are your thoughts now that you've kind of um, heard everyone else's views? Yeah, well, it's it's really it's really good to sort of know that you know you don't necessarily have to have formal qualifications yeah. to be able to fulfil these roles. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of. Um, it's it's nice to be around sort of autodidacts as well. Sometimes you you just got to do it yourself. Um, and um, yeah, but, you know, like Joe said, it's like clearly enough of us are doing it right. So, you know, can't be that bad. Uh, so I, I guess I'll keep winging it and see what happens. I'm sure. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, that kind of rounds up. Um, all of the questions really so you know I'd just like to say a massive thank you to everybody I really appreciate your time this evening um, and I hope you all enjoyed it <laughs>